the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection, implored your help, or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to you, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To you I come, before you I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in your mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. All across the Gulf South, it's 7 a.m. Time to wake up on Catholic Community Radio. Good morning. You're listening to Wake Up on this beautiful Monday morning. We're so glad to have you with us today. I'm Gabby Smith, along with Alicia Quipido and Damien Collado. Hey, guys. Good, good morning. morning. Happy good Monday. Morning. Good morning. Oh, yeah. Happy Monday. It's a great day today. <laughs> and today is the feast of St. Anthony Mary Claret. And uh, we already have one of our guests in the studio. And you know how much we love uh, company. So good morning, Father Brent. We're glad you're here with us. We'll hear from him a little bit later. But uh, let's start this morning with prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, who for the evangelization of peoples strengthened the Bishop St. Anthony Mary Claret with admirable charity and long-suffering, grant through his intercession that seeking the things that are yours, we may earnestly devote ourselves to winning our brothers and sisters for Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Anthony Mary Claret, pray for us. Pray for us. We have a great lineup for you today, starting off with Burke and Grafia. He'll be joining us in about seven minutes. He's a Catholic singer and songwriter, and today he's going to be talking about the 2022 Catholic Song Contest. So we've been talking about this uh, for a a couple of times on Wake Up in the Past. So if you're interested in submitting your song, uh, stay tuned for Burke, because this is the contest for you. Father Brent Mayer joins Alicia and Damien. Actually, he's already there in about 18 minutes. He's a pastor at St. Agnes in Baton Rouge. He's going to be talking about the Eucharist and Eucharistic devotion. In 35 minutes, Alan Migliorato joins us, co-author of Failing Forward, Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. Of course, every Monday he joins us to talk about raising Catholic teens in today's world. So always looking forward to that fun-filled interview with Alan. And in 48 minutes, Dr. David Whitten joins us. He's a professor of theology at Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady University in Baton Rouge. He's going to be talking about foster care, especially during Pro-Life Month, which is October. So it's going to be great to have uh, Dr. Whitten in the studio with us. Also join us for the Patriotic Rosary Daily at 12.30 p.m. Central Time through Election Day. So uh, tune in and pray with us. And real quick, we're live on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search Catholic Community Radio. Hit that subscribe button and that bell so you can get a notification every time we go live or post a video so you can stay tuned with us. And it's easily uh, accessible and you can share it easily. So, yeah, subscribe to our channel. It's awesome and it's fun. Right, Damien? Always, yeah. (laughs) And sunny skies to start the morning. And uh, it'll continue through part of the day with clouds moving in uh, as that cool front is heading our way, which you'll get here by tomorrow morning. High 86 today. Lows expected to be 72 tomorrow morning is when we're going to be greeted by showers, and then that front will push through. 70-80% chance of rain that you're going to get wet. And be uh, by lunchtime, though, guess what? 
it's going to be gone. It'll be breezy, winds out of the south-southeast, 10 to 15 miles an hour, and temperatures in and around the area. Baton Rouge, 62, as well as in Covington. Bay St. Louis at 66. Home of Thibodeau, 61, the cool spot right now. And the warm spot, the Crescent City, 69 degrees. And, of course, yesterday was... My co-host, Alicia's birthday, right? Happy birthday. Look what we got here. A little too. Hold on. (laughs) Happy birthday, darling. I've no presents, no fancy cake, but I hope it makes you happy with this heavenly donut they made. That was an old Conway oh, Twitty tune. Case thank for those you. of you who like Conway Twitty, I had to do that and honor him. So. I love it. Thank you, Damien. A pink frosted donut from the Heavenly Donut. Especially made How much better for you. could it get? Yeah, that's With it. a beautiful silver candle, too. A good Monday to you. I'm Father Chris Decker. Today's gospel is taken from Luke chapter 13. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue on the Sabbath. And a woman was there who for eighteen years had been crippled by a spirit. She was bent over, completely incapable of standing erect. When Jesus saw her, he called to her and said, Woman, you are set free of your infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and she at once stood up straight and glorified God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, said to the crowd in reply, There are six days when work should be done. Come on those days to be cured, not on the Sabbath day. The Lord said to him in reply, Hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his ass from the manger and lead it out for watering? This daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for eighteen years now, ought she not to have been set free on the Sabbath day from this bondage? When he had said this, all of his adversaries were humiliated, and the whole crowd rejoiced at the splendid deeds done by him. Thank you, Father Chris Decker, for today's gospel. It is 7.08 on Wake Up. Thanks so much for tuning in this morning. Birkin Grafia is our first guest today. He's a Catholic singer and songwriter, and today he joins us to talk about the upcoming Catholic Song Contest. Hey, Berg, thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, Gabby. Thanks for having me on. It's so good to hear from you because uh, we were talking about, uh, well, the last time we had you, we were talking about the 2021 Catholic Song Contest. So tell us a little bit about this year's song contest for those who are not familiar uh, with it. Sure. Well, the Catholic Song Contest is um, a contest that started last year, as you said, and it is meant for Catholic songwriters to um, build community and also to enter their songs into the contest in order to win prizes. Um, And there are different categories in which they can win uh, for their different songs. You know, each, each song has a, uh, not each song has a different uh, purpose or many songs have different purposes, I should say. And uh, we have three grand prizes for this contest. One is uh, best liturgical song or hymn. And then the second grand prize is Best Christian Popular Song. It might be on the uh, radio or performed on stage by a performer. And then uh, we also have a category for Best Secular Song Informed by Faith. So any of you Catholic songwriters out there who don't particularly do religious music but put your faith into your songs, there's a category for you too. And then we also have uh, some category prizes too this year. Last year we did genre prizes. Um, I found that the 
genres, uh, it was a little confusing because there's so many, there's so many songs that mix genres. So what we do this year is we have a category prizes and they are best song about Mary, best song about the saints, best song about the sacraments, best pro-life song. And then we also have a lyrics only category. Wow. I love that. And I think that is very easy to follow, especially the categories. Talk about the prizes. Sure. Well, the three grand prize winners will win a $500 gift card to Sweetwater Music, which is an uh, on- online re- uh, music instrument retailer. Uh, they'll also mm-hmm. win a one-year subscription to Presonus Sphere, which is a, um, a company. Presonus is a company out of Baton Rouge. They, they make wonderful products. Um, uh, recording products um, and Presona Sphere is a way that you can record music in a really um, elaborate way on your computers. And then, um, oh, that's not the grand prize. Yeah, and the grand Sorry, prize Burke, winners, thought- as well as the category. Sorry, Burke, I thought you were done talking about your prizes, but you just took a long pause. Continue on. I oh, apologize. No, no. <laughs> no, there there are more prizes. Um, the all the all the winners, the grand prize winners and the category prize winners, will win a uh, an arrangement of their song produced by my uh, company, Point Clear Media. So what that means is um, all the winners will get a, a production, an arrangement of all of different tracks, like maybe some piano, maybe some guitar, maybe some drums, in a way that they can then take that uh, arrangement to a music studio and sing with their own voice or someone else's voice on top of that. And then they'll have a, a recording that they can either sell or, or play for people online. That's, That's amazing. Awesome. Our own Jeff Young. Uh, I mean, uh, Jeff uh, Blackwell. Right. He's I think, good at doing that, yeah. too. I think he was t- telling you you should enter. Yeah, he, he keeps telling me that. <laughs> we'll see. After after we'll see. Uh, this morning's <laughs> birthday uh, song, I'm not sure anybody would approve of that. But. I don't know about that, Burke. <laughs> Burke, t- tell our listeners, because you have such a history in Catholic music and Catholic media, talk about what inspired you to start this contest. Well, I found that the uh, there's a... Uh, there's not really much space for Catholic songwriters in popular music these days. There's a there's a billion dollar uh, Christian music industry, and but you never really hear songs about Mary or the saints or the sacraments. Um, they're usually just kind of a uh, you know, some of them are beautiful songs, but they're they're just sort of generic for the most part. Um, and I mm-hmm. think that there are a lot of Catholic songwriters out there who really um, want to write music that, um, that comes out of their faith uh, in, in different ways and, and the, the sacramental life that they might be living or the, the, the different devotions they have to the saints. Um, and so I just, uh, I just thought it would be a good idea to, to stir up that community, um, put it in God's mm-hmm. hands, let him do with it what, what, you know, whatever happens, happens. But if God can use this, um, then I thought it would be a good uh, good place to start, a good seed to, to plant. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Okay, so uh, we're about to run out of time with you, uh, Burke, but tell our listeners what what is the deadline and where can they go to submit their song? The deadline is November 26, uh, 2022, um, which is the last day of Ordinary Time, and they can go to catholicsongcontest.com to enter. 
Wonderful. Birkin Grafia, Catholic singer and songwriter with the Catholic Song Contest. And we'll have you back on again to talk about the winners and see how uh, the contest went. But thank you so much for being with us again, Burke. Oh, Gabby, thanks for having me on. It was great. Absolutely. Okay, Damien. No way. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just you have so many wonderful songs that you come out on on the whim <laughs> that you sing on the air. Well, um, that's, but I don't know about submitting something. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> These I, are professionals. I, I'm going to have to work on that. I do have one about Saint Jerome. That's right. We I, I love heard yes, that before. Saint Jerome. That's Remember? right. Mm-hmm. I might have to one. dig that one up and uh, see how far that goes. You know, I think that our oh, friends at Cypress right. Springs Mercedarian Prayer Center that the sisters sent in an entry last year. Did they? Yeah. So we'll have to find out if they're oh. sending an entry in again this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, stay with us. Father Brent Mayer joins us after the break. It's 15 past the hour on Wake Up. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for October 24th. Today we celebrate St. Anthony Mary Claret. Born in Spain in 1807, young Antonio learned his father's trade of weaving, as well as printing and Latin, all before studying for the priesthood. Ordained at 28, he went on to become one of Spain's most popular preachers. At 42, Anthony founded a religious institute of missionaries, known popularly as the Claritians. Appointed to head the much-neglected Archdiocese of Santiago, Cuba, he began its reform by almost ceaselessly preaching and hearing confessions. He incurred widespread opposition for preaching against unmarried persons living together and for giving instructions to black slaves. When a hired assassin slashed his face and wrist, Anthony responded by getting the would-be assassin's death sentence commuted to a prison term. All his life, Anthony was interested in the Catholic press. Residing with the Spanish colony in France, he founded the Religious Publishing House, a major publishing venture, and wrote or published 200 books and pamphlets. A staunch defender of the doctrine of papal infallibility at Vatican I, he died in 1870 and was canonized in 1950. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. 19 after the hour. Happy Monday to everyone. It's going to be a nice morning and then getting cloudy and then rain on the way. Uh, But it won't last long, as we said earlier. And right now with us in studio, Father Brent Mayer. He is pastor at St. Agnes Catholic Church in beautiful downtown Baton Rouge. He's here to talk about the Eucharist. And good morning, Father. Good morning. Before we jump into that, I want folks to learn a little bit about who Father Brent Mayer is. Mm-hmm. Can we do that? Sure. All right. Share with us. Start wherever you want, but I know you're like uh, went to Denham Springs High School or, or graduated from there. So let's pick it up from there, maybe. Yeah, from from Denham Springs. Um, you know, raised there my whole life, and yeah, graduated Denham Denham High School in, in 2002, fighting Yellow Jackets, and uh, and yeah, went to went to LSU for a couple of years. Um, officially majored in civil engineering, uh, actually majored in skipping class and feeding the squirrels on campus, uh, but yes. finally got my act together when the Lord called me to the seminary. That's when I kind of became a little bit more invested in, in my studies yeah. uh, of necessity and, and, and of desire, really. And, uh, and so, yeah, I did a couple of years at St. Ben's in Covington and took a year off to go to discern monastic life for a little bit, and the Lord called me back home and 
went back to uh, Notre Dame in New Orleans and Four years later, was yeah. laid on the floor of the cathedral. Ordained and, uh, in 2011. 2011, yeah. correct. And so 11 years already, it, it's, it's hard to believe because, you you yeah. know, even though you've got that beard, I know you you, you got that baby face. That's why you have the beard. So you make yourself look a little mm-hmm. older. But 11 years in the priesthood, how's it been? Absolutely amazing. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me. and And that's one of the things that, that I didn't really anticipate beforehand is, you know, that you never, you never know what life's going to bring you, right? And and so, but but just being, eleven years in, and and that there are still that there are still times at mass where I kind of have to like mentally pinch myself to go, is this even real? Yeah, like how how incredible. Um, yeah, and and it, it's been an interesting journey for you because mm-hmm. uh, you grew up Methodist. Mm-hmm. So when did the conversion take place? Yeah, I was I was baptized Catholic and uh, ended up, you know, our, our family kind of went with the Methodist Church for a while over in Denham, mm-hmm. and and you know I certainly was was educated and, and you know received a lot of a lot of formation in, in the faith there and was you know certainly grateful for that. Uh, I think it was confirmed on my twelfth birthday or eleventh birthday or so in the Methodist wow. Church, um, but then shortly after, my mom had been had been kind of. You know, been being drawn to the Catholic faith for for some years, and decided to go ahead and, and take the leap, and so our whole family kind of jumped in, jumped oh. in all together. Okay. And uh, so I went, cool. I went along for the ride. Yeah. And, uh, that was after your confirmation in in the Methodist Church. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was going to be my next question: When did you first experience the Eucharist? Then. Yeah, it was uh, my first communion. My first Holy Communion in, in our faith was, I think I was 12 years old. Okay. And so I remember that one Wow. much more clearly than I would if I had been sure. yeah. seven. Six or seven, you know, yeah. At the regular age. So, yeah, it was definitely kind of an interesting interesting experience uh, doing doing confession as a as a 12-year-old yeah. for the first time uh, yeah. versus, you know, as a, as a little one where you don't, your sins aren't too, too bad at that age. At 12, I was, I was already pretty rebellious at that point, so I had, had a good list to get down through. Well, you know, the church is promoting the Eucharistic revival, mm-hmm. and uh, we're just in the beginning stages. What would you say to someone like yourself, for example, who may have been baptized Catholic, family kind of drifted away, or the individual drifted away? And they're listening, and they're going, hmm, I wonder if getting back to the church is, is what I'm being called to do. And, and of course, the Eucharist is at the heart and soul of, of our faith. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone uh, to, that's entertaining that and, and, you know, getting back to the Eucharist and the importance of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say follow that. Follow that. It sounds like the Holy Spirit's knocking uh, mm-hmm. at that point, you know. And and really to to go spend time in the presence of the Eucharist, it, it's a powerful thing. That 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 really not to tell my mom's story, but when she was come back to when she would come back from from work each day, oftentimes she would stop at at Saint Alphonsus Church. Okay. And the, the door opened, she'd go in and, and spend some time there praying, and yeah. and it was kind of over time that kind of led her to to ultimately make the leap. Yeah. Wow. And so being being in the presence of the Lord in the Eucharist is powerful. And I know that for me, my, my own vocation has, has been found and nourished by the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, just spending spending time in His presence. Yeah. So when you, you, you got confirmed, 
And as you entered the priesthood or was entertaining the priesthood, any challenges with the Eucharist for you personally? In other words, it, is it truly the body and blood of Christ or is it symbolism? Because you had some experiences with the Methodist Church to go along with that. Mm-hmm. No, I... I I think the Lord has given me kind of a, a a gift of faith in the sense of of kind of coming in and 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 they said this is the body and blood of Jesus and I said okay oh, yeah and and was able to able to submit because it I think at that at that point I was still kind of struggling to understand a lot of things so mm-hmm. it just was like okay well this is part of the pie you know and you yeah. gotta you gotta eat it all yeah. and. And and so for me, and I, I definitely see that as a gift from God that that it was helpful in that sense. Uh, honestly, the the bigger part for me has been as a priest, um, recognizing that that I'm the one confecting the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's it's more kind of shocking to my mind that mm-hmm. I say the words of of institution, <laughs> and then I go and, and and kneel before the Blessed Sacrament in adoration and worship. That that for me is. Wow. It's it's shocking, yeah. Uh, that 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 God would give that power to you know to human beings, mm-hmm. <laughs> and certainly to me, just yeah. to you know just reflect what on a that personal. But how beautiful is that? Yeah, you know, and Absolutely. and to the fact that you you can consecrate the host and it becomes the body and blood of Christ. Yeah. Boy, that's beautiful. I think the minute I'm looking at you, and I'm thinking of Padre Pio at the same time. Is he like one of your favorite saints? Not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. There's something coming here. Maybe it's divine intervention. But ask you about Padre Pio. So where are you at? You guys tight? Yeah, I I like Padre Pio. He's a he's a good fellow. No, talk about a man of of prayer and a man who loved mass. He did, yeah, and that's that's something that that I'm always uh, you know kind of struck by was was his own devotion to the Holy Eucharist, and you know he 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 would celebrate the traditional mass, and in the traditional mass, the the um, the traditional Latin mass, the servers, whenever the priest elevates the the host, the servers elevate the the back garment of the priest, the back of the chasuble, as kind of lifting, helping him share in the in the offering uh, in a sense. Uh, and so always, because Padre Pio, when he would elevate the host, he would start his litany of people he was praying for. And so sometimes he'd elevate the host, and it'd be 20 minutes later, Yeah, he was still praying for them. And so the, his and arms I, were up the whole time. Up, yeah. And I always wonder, like, for the servers, how, how bad the <laughs> servers are like, when's he going to stop, you know? Um, but, but, but there's a beauty in that. Yeah, there just is. That he knew exactly what was happening and, and who, he, who he was communing with. Mm-hmm. And that if there's a moment to bring people to the Lord, that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the Eucharist is, is just right there mm-hmm. in His hands and just offering offering our Lord, but also all of those intentions, all of His spiritual children to the Father, just yeah. lifting, lifting us all up. Did the pandemic have an impact overall? I know we couldn't go to Mass. I'll never forget the first time I was able to go to Mass mm-hmm. again and receive. Mm-hmm. I, I literally broke down and cried mm-hmm. because I didn't realize mm-hmm. how much I missed it. So yeah. and, and, mm-hmm. and and having Christ, you know, within me, has it cha- are we seeing an, an influx coming back to the to our Masses? What, what are you experiencing, at least in your church at St. Agnes? Well, I, my experience is, was kind of the 
a number of people kind of came to St. Agnes, and I, I came to St. Agnes in the middle of, of COVID <laughs> yeah, uh, with the bishop reassigning me. So I, <laughs> I kind of came in and, and uh, first figured out who people are with, you know, only half their face. Uh, <laughs> you know, with their face, oh, that had to be the bottom half covered up, and then yeah. the mask things started coming up. I was like, oh, that's what you look like, right? Uh, so I got to meet everybody twice, really. Put the mask back on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, my God. Father Mayor's going to figure me out before this show is <laughs> over, right? I can tell you. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. But, but no, I think that that many people have had a, very much the experience that you have had, and and I remember too my you know first mass with with the community back together. I mean that that for me was also a, a powerful a powerful experience of just being able to you know for what near two months or so of of offering mass privately and praying for my community, but being able to have them with me again and and then to see like you said the tears in so many eyes. Mm encouraged me to just to see the love um, the love for God the love for the Eucharist that that's alive in the people of God um, it just it lit my heart on fire even more too and yeah so it, yeah uh, well we're yeah. we're happy that you're uh, having great success at St. Agnes Catholic Church you're a good man can you leave us with a blessing this morning certainly the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we give you thanks for this day and for the blessings you bestow upon us and for the graces given. We pray that all those who are listening now, those who might view this videos, might be drawn close to the heart of our Lord and giving the gift of his grace and increase in love for the Holy Eucharist. And God's blessing be upon you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 All right, Father, you, Father. Brent, Mayor, Pastor at St. Agnes Catholic Church in Baton Rouge. God bless you, and uh, good luck with your golf game. Thank you. God bless y'all. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so glad to have you. And, uh, you know, again, talking about the Eucharist is so important. And any, any quick uh, suggestions? we got 30 seconds that people can maybe come to know Christ better through the Eucharist, besides Mass. Besides Mass, uh, Eucharistic adoration, of course, um, and just books. Books are fantastic. I'm, I'm a big book fan. Uh, there's a book that I would certainly suggest called The Bishop of the Abandoned Tabernacle. Okay. It's uh, St. Manuel Gonzalez Garcia. Um, beautiful. Awesome. Touches okay. the heart. We'll look that up. Alan Miglarado is next on Wake Up. Good morning. It's 35 minutes after the hour. You're listening to Wake Up on Catholic Community Radio. Thanks for joining us. I'm Alicia Quibido with Damian Collado and Gabby Smith. We are joined this morning by our friend Alan Migliorato. Alan is the founder of Adventure Catholic Youth Leadership Formation Training. He is the author of The Manly Art of Raising a Daughter and co-author of Failing Forward Leadership Lessons for Catholic Teens Today. Good morning, Alan. Hey, good morning, y'all. How are you? I'm great. I just came, I went camping this past weekend, so I'm relaxed. Nice. Back to nature. I'm just feeling the Lord in nature. It was great. It was great Aww, weather. Awesome. Had a good time. Yeah. That's no poison great. ivy? <laughs> no poison ivy for a change. It was actually a nice trip. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I love it. If I was coming back from a camping trip, I would not be relaxed. So that's great to hear, Alan. So did you take some teens along with you? No, no. That's but, why um, it was relaxing. You know, I, <laughs> no, I, well, I brought my girls. Well, my girls are, you know, they're, they're. I guess my my youngest one's nineteen. So yeah, 
Um, but yeah, we honestly like I had a great time. Like even if there was a bunch, I'm I'm doing a retreat this coming weekend with like 82 teenagers for a confirmation, okay. and uh, we go out in, into like a park, you know, like a state park, and we have like the whole place reserved this area, and so it's kind of gonna gonna kind of be like camping. It's not our original one, which lasts four days. This is just like a full day. Oh wow! But um, it's you know it's getting back to nature, kind of disconnecting from your phones a little bit, and um, it just like it helps center me and yes. get my faith you know, back, back on track. If it's, if it's a little off. That's awesome. Is this 80 students from one parish or is it multiple parishes? No. So there's two okay. parishes. There's one parish has like 55 and the other one's got the rest. However many, 27. Oh, wow. Okay. It's okay. like most, most of them are from one and then like half as many from the other. So let's talk. Do you want to talk about uh, disconnecting from the phone this morning? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Emma was. I was hoping to talk a little bit about um, just kind of making time to to relax with your family. Okay. You know, and that's. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And disconnecting from our phones is a huge part of that. But I, I think we need to make time because you know sometimes we we schedule our vacations and it's like you know, it's like the SpongeBob dance party. You know, ten thirty, <laughs> dance your pants off. You know, like we have exact <laughs> times to do exact things. Yes. You know, we don't want to miss the, the museum. You know, we got to go see the museum or we got to go on the tour and just kind of sitting and doing nothing and just talking, you know, with your mm-hmm. family or playing cards or playing a, like a board game. Um, and just having fun with your family, I think, is, is a great way to do nothing, yes. you know, and you have these great conversations and, um, and conversation starters and just ask what's going on in their lives. And even if you know, like sometimes they go deeper. Yes. Than you expect them to go with with telling telling you about you know something that you think you know everything about you know and they'll give you more information or they'll give you a different perspective. So we had a I mean it was one of the one of the better better trips. No flat tires, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which usually happens on my trip. Something always happens on my vacations, but even those are kind of fun memories. I did yeah. um, I did end up there was a there was a lady that was crying uh, behind us. We went to Epcot. Okay. And I, I haven't been to Epcot. I haven't been to Disney in like 15 or 17 years or something like that. And so wow. uh, my wife wanted to go, and we went. And this lady was crying, and I turned around, and of course I'm like, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "No." And she's <laughs> like in her 20s, and she's like, "My my friends left me here. I'm from Chicago, and I don't know anybody here. And like they just wanted to be on their their own today. And I'm just so sad because I wanted to spend the day with them. And and this young lady had like all of this pride gear on like all the rainbow uh, pride stuff mm-hmm, on and mm-hmm. and um, just making a really loud statement but um I, so i said well why don't you spend the day with us <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and with my family and she's like i would like that and she's still crying and so like we have all these pictures of this lady that i don't even didn't even know but like she went to all on all the rides with us and my wife comes out of the That's bathroom and, and doesn't expect it and i'm like so I said, I, I said, Eileen, this is uh, this is Ray, and Ray, this is Eileen. I said, I, I, my wife's like, oh hi, and I'm like, yeah, she's gonna kind of walk around with us and go on rides. And my wife goes, okay, <laughs> who is this? You picked up a woman. I was gone for ten minutes, and so like she comes. Hey, dude, you, with you us, still got like, it, Big Al. <laughs> I still got it. I still got it. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it, but I still got it. But so she's walking around with us, and my wife's like. She's walking through. She goes, honestly, for 10 minutes, I'm gone, and you she, you picked up a stray. And I was like, well, I said, you know, she's crying. I feel bad for her. She goes, 
that's not a problem. She goes, I just didn't expect, you know, an extra person today. But yeah, she spent like the entire day with us. We went to eat. We went to all the, all these like rides and all these shows. And like finally her friends texted her and were like, you know, we need to talk. And, and so she was like, thank you so much. You made my day. I feel like you guys are family. So even God puts opportunities in our way sure. when we don't expect it. Yeah. Yes. So when we're on vacation, you know, and we're we're kind of looking like we want to. I wanted to spend time with with my family, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that God's not going to provide opportunity to minister to somebody who really needs it, and not not like okay, yeah, she obviously I don't agree with the choices this lady was making, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I don't feel for her as a human being, right. and I'm not going to not like her or not be around her because of a bad choice. Right. So. I think that's an important message, you know, like while maybe our morals probably didn't line up, we're human, you know, mm-hmm. and to reach out to somebody who is human, who was in a, in a time of struggle, who who was feeling alone, like that might be all the Jesus that oh. she ever gets. Oh, and so it's important right. for yeah. us to be that to mm-hmm. that person. Yeah. You're right. You're right. I, I love that, Alan, because you know, so, so often, well, and even just the camping, the, this whole theme of your com- our conversation today is is really to, you know, let go of some things that keep us tied down, right? To, to really focus on our family, not focus so much on our work, on our phones and, and all of the dis- distractions in the world to be able to be present to other people, uh, even if they're a stranger behind you in line for a ride. Yeah, well, and, you know, I have a, another quick funny story. Do I have a minute for a funny story? Of course. Okay. So my back was, was really bad, and it was really hard for me to, to walk long distance. So I had a, a wheelchair that I was in, right? And my, my wife's pushing me, and, and uh, there's, the, there's this huge hill, like, at Epcot, and there's this kid in front of us. He's, like, this probably nine years old. He's autistic. He's in his own wheelchair, and he's got, like, the ear, ear, earmuffs, mm-hmm. like this ear protection mm-hmm. on. Yes. And he's going down this hill by himself. And I'm like, man, I, I, like that kid is a champ. Like, look at him. Like, this kid is going down this hill by himself in a wheelchair, like controlling this wheelchair. So I told I, my son-in-law was pushing me. I said, Michael, I said, let me go. I can do this too, <laughs> right? And so Uh-oh. Michael's like, he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, no, I go, I can take this kid. I was like messing with him. I said, I can take this kid, so I can do this. So, like, he, he lets go of the wheelchair, and obviously the weight of my wheelchair is <laughs> oh, no. much greater than the weight of this kid's wheelchair. So I start going down this hill really fast, and I cannot stop, right? I, there's no oh way that gosh. I can stop. I'm trying to – I grab the wheels. I'm burning my hands because, like, I, I'm not in a wheelchair all the time. I just had a really bad back day. and. Yes. Um, and, and I couldn't stop this wheelchair. So, and I'm going to hit this kid in the wheelchair. Oh, no. Like, I'm going right next to him. I'm going to, like, sideswipe him. So I, like, reach down, I try, and I finally pull the brakes on the wheelchair, but only the one on my right catches, and I oh, no. slam into this poor kid. Oh, no. Right? I slam into this kid in the wheelchair. And, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I am so sorry. And my whole family is like, oh, like, you know, it's gasping. And they're like, did you do it on purpose? I'm like, no, of course not. Like, why would I? Why would, they're like, well, you said you could take him. And I'm like, I didn't mean take him take out. out. So like, Alan. So like, his family like kind of, Alan, you know, I, his I, family I, kind of scooted him away. Yeah, I got to ask you, you do all that just to get in front of the line? <laughs> right? Is that, that what that, that is all about? the attitude of my family. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for being part of the family. Well, I, I, the other awful. thing is. It was off my. 
This is called camping? Going to <laughs> Disney no, 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 World? This is something different, right? Well, it was a glamping. It was a glamping experience. Glamping. Do you see what I mean? You, you weren't paying attention. It started out as camping. The dude is at Disney World. Who camps at Disney like World? Trip. You set up a tent or anything? Like by uh, the Magic There's King? What I want to know, though, is, is I need to know how this story ends. This interaction with okay, this so. poor kid and his family. So we, they kind of scurry him away, right? And my family like pulls me off to the side, and I'm like, I gotta find this kid. I gotta find. Him. So we end up going to a ride, and he's directly in front of us, getting on the ride. Oh my and God. so I, I told him, I'm like, I said, I am so sorry that that happened. I honestly, I didn't. Mean, his mother's like, oh, it's the best excitement he's had all day. Don't worry about it. Aww. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Like they were the coolest people. And my That's wife's like, awesome. the only way it could have been worse is if like they were shooting like a Make a Wish commercial, and a nun was cooking. <laughs> oh, oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> It's 15 minutes before the hour. Thanks for joining us on Wake Up. And welcome back to Wake Up, 12 minutes before the top of the hour on a Monday morning. So glad you could join us. Alicia Quivito, the birthday girl, along with Gabby Smith, Damian Collado, and our guest now is a regular, Dr. David Whidden, Professor of Theology at Franciscan Missionaries of Our Lady University in Baton Rouge, better known as Fran U, here today to talk about foster care during Pro-Life Month and something often overlooked is foster care. I mean, we hear the negative stories related to it. Right. Share with us some of the positives and why it's important, because it is part of the pro-life. Indeed it is. And, and after, you know, in many ways, with the Roe v. Wade being turned over post-Dobbs, I mean, it's been successful, especially mm-hmm. the, with the laws that we've signed into to place in Louisiana. So the question is, is okay, what, what's next to the pro-life movement? And at one level, it should have never been what's next, but what should we also be doing? Mm-hmm. Amen. But there's a, a big need in Louisiana uh, for help in our foster care system. Uh, in fact, the, the Baton Rouge Advocate has been running a series of articles about it that you can really uh, read on. Um, it's in a really difficult state. We've got way too many kids who need foster care and not enough families. So Governor Edwards, for instance, just has done a One Church, One Child program. He's like, you know, there's about 4,000 churches in Louisiana, and mm-hmm. there's about 4,000 kids who need uh, foster mm-hmm. care. So if we could get somebody from every church uh, in Louisiana to have one foster family, um, then we could actually yeah. start meet, meet the needs. But our caseworkers wow. are overwhelmed. Uh, they're completely underfunded uh, by the state government. So there's a lot to be done yeah. with this. And, and I like that idea about, you know, mm-hmm. one church, one, church one, one child. And you think about it, then the church, the entire church, can mm-hmm. act as a, a support group for the parent. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. So uh, my wife and I talk about this all the time. We're fostering some, a, a child right now, but... Um, you know, not everybody's called to be a foster parent, right? But every church can support the one family that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, when when our foster baby arrived uh, at our house in June, you know, we didn't cook a meal for two weeks. It was great. You know, mm-hmm. our, our friends supported us. Um, you know, people brought us changing tables because we'd gotten rid of all that stuff. Our youngest well, child right. was, was, was about to be eight, right? We didn't have any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was at work, and my wife said, you know, "We we got approved on Saturday," and they're so desperate by Tuesday. 
we, we they had placed somebody. She called me at work on, on Monday, and she said, can you go get some diapers and some <laughs> bottles, right? Because wow. this is what we needed. Was it approved that quickly? Well, so the, the process yes, is you have to Share with us the process. Yeah, so the process. Because there's people out there who are interested there in are, this. There are, and it's, um, it's a good process. Uh, so one of the things that you do is you do about eight weeks of training, and you can do that online now. They've got Zoom classes, so we were doing those on Monday nights for eight weeks, okay, uh, and it's run by Crossroads NOLA, which is a really nice program. Uh, to be honest, our Protestant friends probably handle foster care better than, than the Catholics do uh, in a lot of ways. Most of those churches really have somebody dedicated to foster ministry. Um, so they had a really good training, and then you also have to go through all the application process, fingerprinting, they come to a home visit to make sure your home's safe and secure. Um, so you could go faster or, or slower depending on how much time you've got. It took us a while to get the paperwork because of all the other things going on in our lives. But mm-hmm. um, all told, plus the discernment process was about a year for us. Okay. It, it could, again, you could go a lot faster than that yeah. if, if, you're, if you've got the time to do that. Um, and then once they approved us, they're like, you're approved. And like I said, that was on a Saturday. And on Tuesday, we had a, a foster baby. Are there yeah. any requirements or special responsibilities that come with being a foster parent? Yeah, that's a great, great question, Damien, because one of the things that we've noticed is it's not just like being a regular parent. Okay, so yeah. for instance, um, parents have a right to see their kids. Um, so every... Every Thursday, my wife takes um, our baby, and he has a meeting with his parents. It's a supervised meeting at, at DCFS. Okay. Um, so, you know, we've had uh, a lot of these kids come with medical issues. Okay. We've, I mean, Iris has had a surgery. We just talked about four, spending four nights at the ER <laughs> uh, or at the hospital with RSV. Um, he came with a pretty substantial medical record already, which is why he's in the foster care system. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, that comes with different responsibilities. You have to go to court. Okay. So, um a couple weeks ago, actually the day I was really sick, I was talking about earlier, you know, they had a court hearing. And so the, you know, we were able to zoom in, but the parents are there, the foster parents are there, the caseworkers are there, the judge is there to talk about the case. Um, so it does come with some extra responsibility and some mm-hmm. extra work, um, but that's that's part of the, the joy of, of the ministry. Yeah, yeah. What happens as time goes on and the child's growing up, Right. Uh, you know you're going to be attached to that child because right. you, you wouldn't take the child in to begin with. Right. So there's a lot of love there. But but knowing eventually the child, you may have to give that child That's up. That's exactly right. Right. That's a great question. Well, you got all the good questions He's this morning, Damien. Yeah, well, I'm on fire with questions. <laughs> no, uh, you know, when we first picked him up, we tend to do attachment parenting. We want to be attached. Mm-hmm. Uh, and learning to attach is actually an important skill for an infant. Mm-hmm. Um and so you do that. You love him. As I've told my wife, you know, no matter what happens to this kid, I want him to feel in his bones mm-hmm. that he was loved, mm-hmm. right? Um, but the reality is, is we never know how long we're going to have our own kids. That's true, too. They're ne- all gifts, right? They're all gifts, and we never yeah. know what's going to happen. And we, we assume we never admit to ourselves the possibility that we could lose them. Yeah. Um, and we love them as much as we can uh, as well. So there, there is there's a possibility of love and loss. Uh, together in 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 foster care, yeah. Um, but you just love them as best you can, and you know the goal is really to reunite them with their families. That's like right. That's, that's the goal. It doesn't always work out that way because it's not always safe. That's right. But the goal is is you know, we're not here to break up families. We're here to really help families that have run into all sorts of problems to find a way to get back the kid back 
uh, in a safe environment where yeah. the parents can be the kind of parents that they want to be. It may take a couple years. Sometimes it could take 10 or 15. Yeah, and you have longer, shorter placements depending on, on what goes on. And sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work out for the, for the, for the family, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's also part of it because the, you know, the, the most important thing is, is can we keep these kids safe? So where do they go? Where, where's a good starting point for someone who is interested in, in having a foster child? Sure, and I sent a bunch of links to Gabby before uh, this morning so she can post those online. Okay. Probably the place to start is L, uh, L.A. Fosters, uh, Louisiana Fosters, mm-hmm. and you can just Google that. And uh, that's actually the state. It's a place where no matter what you're inter- interested in, you can – uh, find uh, a way to link in uh, there. That's probably the, the best place to start. Crossroads NOLA, which I mentioned, is really good as well. Yeah. Um, but we also need to, you know, we need to call our legislators because it's uh, TCFS is tremendously underfunded. And this is one of the things that the Baton Rouge Advocate's done a good job of, of covering. Um, the real uh, need for, we need a lot more caseworkers. They're about 100 caseworkers short, and they're burning out as a result. Yeah. Like our caseworker you know, was bringing our baby back on uh, Thursday and uh, then she didn't get to our house until like six or seven o'clock then she had to go pick up two who were uh, in the ER two new kids who had been burned um, and then she had to go home to her own seven-year-old mm-hmm. right that's that's really an unsustainable way mm-hmm. um, for people oh. to work their, their caseload should be of like seven to ten kids and a lot of them have like 20 30 kids yeah and so kids are falling through the cracks mm-hmm. um, and so it's not safe for them so you know if you know a young person who really wants to serve people um, this is a great way to serve the least among these, yeah. uh, as Jesus talks about. So um, we need people to, to do the work. We need our legislators to, to step up and fund uh, this. And we need churches uh, to find foster families uh, to, to really help us out. Very yeah. good. Well, thank you so much for yes. coming in and talking about that. Yeah. We don't always hear the positive mm-hmm. in, in, the, right. in the pro-life aspect of it. Dr. Mm-hmm. David Wooden, professor of theology at Fran U in Baton Rouge, continue your good work and enjoy being a foster father. We love it. And, uh, and, and your wife as well, a foster mother. Oh, she's mother. the same, so, not yeah. me. <laughs> so uh, we're going to wrap up with a prayer this morning. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Mm-hmm. Oh, gentle and loving St. Anthony whose heart was always full of human sympathy, whisper my petition into the ears of the Holy Infant Jesus, who loved to rest in your arms, and the gratitude of my heart will always be yours. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you back here tomorrow at 7 a.m. Central Time. Dr. Stanton McNeely joins us from the University of Holy Cross. Father Taylor Sanford from the Diocese of Baton Rouge gives us his vocation story. Matt Meeks, CEO of Catholic Ventures, joins us. And Carmen Damon with Entering Canaan through the Diocese of Baton Rouge will give us details. Have a wonderful Monday and a great start to your week. God bless. Wake Up is a production of Catholic Community Radio.